Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil. We're at episode 10. That is amazing. Thank you all for listening and coming on this journey with us. For Mental Health Month, we've been talking to some mental health professionals about Harry Potter, psychology, and more, and I think y'all are going to love this week's interview. I had the wonderful opportunity to speak with Dr. Janina Scarlett. She developed superhero therapy and is the host of a podcast with the same name. She is also the host of a new podcast, Harry Potter Therapy, which analyzes the Harry Potter books chapter by chapter through a psychology and mental health lens. She's also the author of Harry Potter Therapy and numerous other books, and was the recipient of the UN's Eleanor Roosevelt Human Rights Award in 2018. We had a wonderful conversation that I am so excited to share, so let's dive right in. Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everybody. Uh, I am so excited to have Dr. Janina Scarlett on the show today. Dr. Scarlett, thank you for joining us. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you. You're so welcome. Uh, For anybody who may not know who you are, uh, can you kind of just give a little introduction and tell us about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I specialize in incorporating pop culture, especially Harry Potter, into therapy to help people recover from PTSD, depression, and anxiety. And I've authored a book called Harry Potter Therapy. And my partner and I have just started a podcast called Harry Potter Therapy, where we look at the psychology behind each chapter in the Harry Potter series. It's amazing. That is a chapter by chapter analysis of mental mm-hmm. health. It couldn't get much better than that, in my opinion. <laughs> Thank you so much. Can you give us any any Potter related information about yourself, like Hogwarts House, Patronus, Wand? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I am a proud Slytherin. Um, Despite the stereotype, I'm not evil, but I am very ambitious. And according to Pottermore, my Patronus is an owl. But I think that if I had to pick one or if it manifested into my spirit animal, it would be a raven. Uh, and uh, my, uh, my wand is unicorn hair. Lovely. What a wonderful combination. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. So... Uh, you mentioned and kind of what we'll start off with is uh, you specialize in incorporating pop culture into therapy and you developed a uh, superhero therapy. So can you talk to us about what that is? Sure. Superhero therapy refers to incorporating elements from popular culture, whether it's from um, superhero films or comics or Harry Potter, Star Wars or otherwise into evidence-based therapies to help people manage their mental health difficulties and learn how to become their own versions of a superhero in real life. The reason why this can be helpful is because a lot of times we might not know how to talk about our painful experiences. And in fact, a lot of us, unfortunately, have been discouraged from doing so. I find that a lot of really magical individuals out there have been told that they're too sensitive or too emotional. So we've been unfortunately told that we have to hide our emotional experiences. But I find that our emotions actually make us magical. I think that's where the soul lives. And um, 
so through through the course of therapy, um, I, I use pop culture examples to help my clients discover the magic within them, to discover the beauty of their own emotional experiences, and to learn how to incorporate um, their own uh, experiences in teaching them to become their own kind of a hero, similar to the kind of fandom that they enjoy. For example, how to become magical like Harry Potter in terms of understanding the value of their emotions and maybe even helping people in their own communities. That's wonderful. And it's, it's so fascinating because I think that um, I love that you incorporate it into evidence-based therapies because a lot of us kind of do, uh, you know, little things like, you know, I'm reading the Harry Potter books and it makes me feel better. And so there's stuff I'm doing unconsciously, but then doing it more consciously through, you know, like a therapeutic practice, that's, it gives it so much more power. Exactly. So it's meant to be integrative. Typically, when we're reading, uh, you know, for example, the Harry Potter series or watching the movies, we are a passive observer, although we probably feel like we're a part of the action. We might establish certain connection with certain characters. In fact, after a while, these characters might feel as if they've become a part of our family. They become what's called a social surrogate to us. They might become our friend or we might feel as if we're part of their family. Um, so, for example, a lot of people might relate to the Weasley family, feeling as if they're a part of that family, too. By incorporating these elements in therapy, my goal is to teach individuals to become an active participant um, within their favorite fandom um, to, to take their adventure a little bit further. So, for example, we might write fan fiction together in incorporating the person's own experience into their favorite fandom, such as Harry Potter, to make sense of things. Where, for example, they might write a scene where they might be telling Dumbledore about something painful that happened to them. And in response, Dumbledore might be able to offer some kind of uh, encourage, some kind of words of encouragement or wisdom to help that person to get through what they're experiencing. That's wonderful. I think we all wish we could have Dumbledore give us advice sometimes. So it's nice to know that we can in some ways. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, because I think that. The voice of Dumbledore is the voice of our own wisdom and our own compassion. And I think sometimes if we listen, he might speak to us too. He might be able to show up in those moments when, when we truly need him and, uh, and offer us the very kind of words of wisdom and encouragement that we really, really long to hear. Definitely. So in looking at superhero therapy, um, it seems like there are different parts of each story that we can use um, and kind of look at ourselves, you know, look into that mirror. And um, one of the things I noticed a lot in your work is you talk a lot about uh, origin stories. I believe that every single hero out there, real life or fictional, has an origin story. And so for Harry Potter, of course, his origin story is that his parents were killed when he was one year old by... Voldemort and then he went in to live with his very abusive relatives who physically and emotionally abused him for 10 years um, and then he goes on to become this amazing wizard and it turns out that he's the chosen one um, and I find that every single person out there has their own version of an origin story unfortunately I think sometimes we might believe that 
our origin stories define us, but they don't. They're the starting point. They're the very beginning of our story. It's true that what happened to Harry was significant and important, and he carried a real life, not only a metaphorical, but a real scar for the rest of his life. However, his origin story was only the beginning. The rest of his journey was decided by him. And I think similarly within our own lives, the rest of our heroic journey is up to us. We get to make choices in the kind of meaning that we make from our traumatic experience, from our origin story, and the way that we can use our story to better understand other individuals and perhaps to, uh, to help them as well. For Harry, even though there were times that he was angry and afraid and frustrated and sad, he was able to understand that what happened to him was significant enough that he didn't want something like this happening to anyone else. This is what pushed him um, to uh, courageously stand up even to the Death Eaters, to, uh, to start Dumbledore's army, to train other wizards to fight and uh, to be able to protect people who needed protection. And I think similarly, we in real life might be able to learn strength and resilience from our own origin stories and then make choices in how we want to use those strengths to make a difference in other people's lives. Absolutely. That, um, that leads me to one of my other questions in this regard, um, talking about making meaning out of these experiences. Um, would you consider that um, post-traumatic growth? Absolutely. That is actually the definition of post-traumatic growth is creating um, some kind of meaning out of, uh, out of somebody's traumatic experience, uh, which can lead to certain positive changes in that individual's life. Uh, it can allow us to remember what we stand for. It can create more meaningful interpersonal relationships. It can create more life satisfaction. And um, I think that for a lot of people who experience something traumatic, they might actually find meaning in that experience um, and, and, and come out much stronger than if they had not gone through what they went through in the first place. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be able to move out of or move into a new phase with uh, a new perspective on your own life. That's a... Uh, I think that's really wonderful and looking at Harry and other fictional characters, that's the perfect example of how we can grow ourselves. Of course. Um, we all have our own kind of like our weaknesses or our kryptonite, you know, for Superman. Um, how can we look at these elements of ourselves with a different perspective? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So I don't actually use the word weakness, I use the word vulnerability. It's mm -hmm. true that we might be vulnerable to certain things, as you mentioned, you know, Superman being vulnerable to kryptonite and um, people like Harry, for example, being vulnerable in terms of the people that they love and care about. And I actually think that vulnerability is the source of our greatest strength. It reminds us what we stand for. It reminds us what we care about. And facing our vulnerabilities is the scariest and therefore most courageous thing of which we're capable and so that means that vulnerability is truly uh, a, a definition of courage. You don't even have to be a Gryffindor to do that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, courage is for every house. Um, That's right. Courage for every house. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, developing superhero therapy, 
Um, what kind of experiences did you have in your own life? What did your personal life, um, how did that influence you in developing this? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, so, um, like Harry, I didn't grow up in, you know, in the world that I eventually inhabited. So, um, I, my origin story was that I grew up in Ukraine and when I was just a few months shy of my third birthday, there was a massive explosion at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. Last week was actually a 33rd anniversary of that accident. What that meant was that um, a lot of people were significantly impacted by that radiation spill. And for me, um, there are effects that I still experience to this day. Um, for example, when the weather changes, I get severe migraines and sometimes seizures. Um, so I actually strongly connected with Harry's experience of his scar hurting when danger was near, uh, especially when Voldemort was near, because it almost feels like when I feel that the weather is going to change, that's when I get those severe uh, aches, that, that stabbing pain in my head, which sometimes can cause me to have a seizure. Um, and uh, my family and I were uh, targeted for being Jewish. So it, after a while, wasn't safe for us to live in the former Soviet Union. So we were uh, granted a refugee status to come to United States. Um, like a lot of kids, I was, uh, I was severely bullied for being different. You know, I was the kid that didn't speak English, that came from a different country and came from a radioactive country. And so um, I had a lot of kids pick on me and bully me when I was in middle school. And as a result, I often felt like I was some kind of a freak, you know, like I was different somehow, that I was broken and I didn't fit in. And it was a few years later when I was um, when I was 16, actually, that I saw the first X-Men movie. And that's when I realized that stories can be really meaningful in helping us to process our own trauma. Because in watching the X-Men film on the screen, I was able to see that, first of all, I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only person who was bullied or targeted or persecuted or prejudiced against. And I saw that being a mutant wasn't necessarily a bad thing, that experiencing something traumatic doesn't make that person a victim. It makes them a survivor. And therefore, they can then help other people by, uh, by looking out for others who are experiencing a similar kind of hurt as the X-Men did. So it was after that that I started becoming really interested in incorporating um, stories into psychology. I just didn't exactly know how. Um, so I started learning about psychology in high school and in college and, and in my graduate studies. And it was after I finished my PhD and started working with active duty service members that it kind of all came together. And I saw how important it was for the service members that I was working with to be able to talk about their painful experiences through stories um, as opposed to directly. Because for a lot of individuals, when they're asked about their most traumatic experience, it is really vulnerable. It is really difficult to talk about what happened to them. But it might feel safer for that individual to talk about what happened to, um, let's say, Harry Potter or what happened to Luke Skywalker or a character on The Walking Dead um, and then draw parallels from that experience to understand what happened to them as well. It strikes me every time how this this is just so true 
this is just such a, it reflects the experiences of so many people I've talked to um, who are just reading the books for fun and then it ends up becoming a deeper relationship. And um, I'm so glad that you had, you know, X-Men and all of these other things that you could bring this amazing, uh, you know, this amazing system into, to life to so many people. I really, really am, uh, I'm so happy that that all worked out. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. And I think you're absolutely right that we might read these books or watch these movies to escape and then might surprise ourselves when we actually find a connection. Um, And I think it's precisely because we're not looking for it. It's not being forced on us. We're just observing and then we might recognize, hey, that character is going through what I went through and I understand their pain. And it might feel as if we can talk to that character almost. Whereas in real life, I think people around us are not necessarily as open as some of the fictional characters we read about. So we might not know other people's stories, even though they might have gone through similar things as we did. And so it might be easier for some of us sometimes to form uh, meaningful connections with fictional characters, especially when we're looking for someone that can understand our experiences, as opposed to some of the individuals in real life who might um, have more of a formal scripted kind of interaction with us. Definitely. So you are a fan in many fandoms and have written many books. And the one that I want to talk to you about is Harry Potter therapy. Um, (laughs) So you have in this wonderful book, which is a, you know, it's like a self-help guide using all these different metaphors from the Potter series um, and how to just everything we've talked about, you know, from um, looking at like transfiguration to self-compassion, metaphors with Dumbledore's army. There's just an abundance of metaphors and a lot of different sources that you used to put all of this together. Um, Psychology studies, health studies, uh, studies about the impact of the Harry Potter books, the Harry Potter books themselves, and then uh, stories from yourself and other individuals. And uh, I've done research myself, so I know that this is a massive undertaking. (laughs) Um, So how, how and what was it like to put all these things together into one comprehensive book? It was really meaningful to me. Um, When I first read the books, I read them as a fan. Um, And I guess like a lot of readers, um, I didn't expect to be as connected with the books as I was. I didn't expect to find myself. I expected to enjoy the books. I expected to like the story, but I didn't expect to find myself too. And the more I kept reading, the more I was connecting to many different characters and the more I fell in love with them, the more I wanted to um, almost make them real um, and have communications with them and and be a part of that world. And I realized that one of the reasons for that is because when you take out the magic and the metaphor, these are stories that are real. These are stories that a lot of people experience, whether it's being bullied going through abuse, experiencing prejudice, um, standing up for what we believe in. These are stories that we battle to this day that that are happening right now. Um, And so I wanted to put together a self-help book specifically for Harry Potter fans by a Harry Potter fan. 
And so at first I just started rereading all the books and, and cataloging each metaphor that I wanted to use and, um, you know, and kind of figuring out uh, where it might go. And once I've done that, once I read and reread all the series several times, cataloging each um, example I wanted to use, then I um, created an outline and the writing process was easier and faster than I anticipated because I think I was so excited to write it that it only took me four months to put all of this together and to, to write the book, um, which, um, you know, for me, that was, um, that was pretty fast. And I was really excited to do it because I, this is something that I believed in and I wanted to do it specifically as a nonprofit project, um, to be able to help other people. So Harry Potter therapy is a nonprofit book. Um, so all the profits from this book are go going to support a variety of charities like the mental health hotline, the crisis text hotline, um, St. John's, um, excuse me, uh, St. Jude's um, Children's Hospital, etc. And so um, I really wanted to take something that we all love as the Harry Potter community, Harry Potter fandom, and to um, to create it as a project that would help individuals to understand their mental health and also to be able to support various mental health and physical health charities out there. I love that. It, I get this image of my head of stepping, like stepping into the mirror and then stepping back out with everything that you gathered from the other side. Thank you. So um, one of the metaphors I wanted to talk about specifically, um, I think it's very relevant. We talk a lot about you know, like self-care today and kindness. Um, and so chapter six with self-compassion and transfiguration, um, that really spoke to me. And you talked about the three elements of self-compassion, which are mindfulness, common humanity, and self-kindness. So if you can like talk us through kind of what those are and then how we can use Harry Potter in these different elements. Sure. So mindfulness simply refers to the ability to pay attention, the ability to notice perhaps when we're starting to feel anxious or sad or overwhelmed or uncomfortable in some kind of way. So in this regard, you know, when it comes to uh, mindfulness of our emotions, it's a special way of gently paying attention to our emotional experiences or maybe physiological changes such as feeling tense or nauseated or dizzy or otherwise uncomfortable in order to then figure out what we need. So the metaphor I used for mindfulness is the, um, the essence of dittany. So um, basically just, uh, just as a way of, uh, of being focused, as a way of just noticing uh, a particular experience. And then once we notice it, then the idea would be to recognize that we're not alone in our experience. Um, this is called common humanity, recognizing that every single person out there or most people out there have been through something similar. Um, so it's perfectly normal. It's perfectly understandable that we would go through something like that. Um, the metaphor that I've used there is the legitimacy spell. Um, so kind of like being able to understand what other people are going through or being able to uh, to see what other people are feeling or thinking uh, was kind of my uh, my thought process there is that it's almost like the ability to perceive 
um, empathy, uh, the ability to understand that we're all a community. And then finally, the self-kindness practice. And here I use an example of a Patronus spell. So um, Patronus, of course, is a, this protective force that shows up when we're being attacked by the dementors of our depression, for example. Um, so self-kindness is a way of creating an emotional shield. It's a way of supporting ourselves, of treating ourselves with as much gentleness and compassion as we would a loved one, as we would someone that we truly love and care about, maybe our pet or best friend. Um, so it's it's a way that we can create that uh, that protective shield in and support ourselves right when we need it the most. That's wonderful. I love the use of the Patronus there um, because that's that's a it really connects with a lot of people. I found the idea of a Patronus and uh, self kindness as a kind of you know a little guardian spirit that you can project out into the world for yourself. I I really love that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I think that. The third book especially, um, I think, speaks to a lot of people, The Prisoner of Azkaban. A lot of people report that the idea of facing your own dementors has really spoken to them because they might have experienced um, similar emotions, such as those that uh, dementors create, right? Feeling hopeless, feeling as if things will never be okay again feeling as if happiness has been sucked out of them. And that's very much what depression can feel like sometimes. A lot of times people think that depression is a feeling of sadness, but a lot of times depression can feel numb. It can feel excruciatingly numb to where there's a lot of pain and no pain at the same time. And um, this is where having some kind of a Patronus, some kind of a meaningful memory or a connection with our loved ones, uh, maybe through a memory or through an actual physical connection with our loved ones can create a really, uh, really powerful protection against these dementors. And, you know, of course, chocolate can help too. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, Harry spends quite a bit of time um, learning to fight off his own personal dementors and um, learning how to kind of build himself up from his origin story. And I would love to know your thoughts on how Harry kind of grows up from his origin story and learns to heal himself and others around him. Mm -hmm. Well, Harry's origin story, of course, starts when his parents are murdered but it also continues with 10 years of this chronic abuse where he's not allowed to be himself. Um, he's not even allowed to be, really. His mere presence causes the Dursleys to become irritable and to abuse him. Um, at any mention of anything related to the magical world, even if Harry's talking about a dream that he had, the Dursleys become irritable and angry and mean toward him. We learn that, um, you know, his his aunt, um, Aunt Marge, was also extremely abusive toward him and even uh, sent her dog after him. So we learned that he had this really, really painful uh, childhood. He had no friends. He was extremely lonely because people either didn't like him or were afraid to talk to him because of Dudley's bullying. 
Um, and then he's somebody that gets an opportunity to escape all of that, to go into the world where he is loved, where he's accepted, where he starts making new friends. Of course, it's not an easy journey and it's still full of obstacles. And over time, by connecting with his new friends and his mentors, he discovers his sense of purpose. He recognizes that he wants to be able to protect other people from facing the kind of monsters that he's faced. And that means standing up to bullies because he knows what that's like. That means standing up to, uh, to Death Eaters and to Voldemort because he knows the kind of pain that they can cause. And through his acceptance of his own fate, through his acceptance of his status of being the chosen one, he finds his true courage. It doesn't mean that he's not uh, scared. It doesn't mean that he's not traumatized by what happened to him, but it's through his willingness to take on uh, this challenge, connect with his sense of purpose and connect with his friends, that that's where his true healing happens. Uh, we see that in the fifth book, The Order of the Phoenix, which uh, depicts just how many PTSD-like symptoms Harry was going through after Cedric's death. And um, after some time of being surrounded with his friends and uh, the members of the Order, he visibly starts getting better. Um, and even though he trauma is something that follows him, he seems to be doing a lot better when he's surrounded by friends than when he is isolated. Absolutely. It seems like um, of many, you know, of many heroes we see in uh, fan or different fandoms, Harry has a lot of post-traumatic growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. He has a lot of post-traumatic growth and... Um, and we see both. We see his um, PTSD-like symptoms. You know, I, I haven't diagnosed Harry. I haven't evaluated Harry. I do think that he appears to have PTSD, but I can't say that with certainty without ever having met him and evaluated him. Right. Um, and it does seem like he displays post-traumatic growth over time. And it seems to really show up when he takes on this role of creating Dumbledore's army, making the decision that he's going to stand up to Voldemort and the Death Eaters. And he really grows from this sense of purpose. Absolutely. Um, earlier, you mentioned kind of moving from seeing ourselves as victims to seeing yourself as a survivor. Um, how do you think Harry sees himself? That's a great question. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I think that um, I think that Harry may not necessarily have either of those terms. Um, um, I mean, without asking him, I wouldn't know exactly. But I think that he is someone that um, knows that he has had enough of being picked on. And I think that he's gotten to the point where he's ready to stand up for himself and stand up for other people, whether he uses the term survivor, whether he uses the term fighter, or whether he uses a different term. I think, um, you know, that's uh, to be debated, but I think he, he sees himself from the point of strength over time. Definitely agree. Uh, he's, uh, he always wants to keep fighting and moving forward and, I always think of that moment um, in Half-Blood Prince where he and Dumbledore are talking about, uh, I forget the line exactly, but it's basically, uh, it's the difference between 
getting dragged into the arena and walking out with your head held high. That's a very powerful Harry character moment in my mind. Very powerful. Very powerful. And that's very much what he does in the Deathly Hallows. Yes. When he walks out toward Voldemort. Oh, it makes it always makes me well up with tears just a little bit thinking about it. it <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of um, course. Same here. So aside from this wonderful, you know, hero's journey we get to watch in Harry um, and all of the many metaphors, there are tons of reasons people come back to these books or the movies over and over. Um and in my experience talking to people, it seems like a lot of people come for safety and support. Um, they'll say they feel really safe, you know, going with Harry back to Hogwarts um, or like, you know, the books are a sanctuary, a place they can kind of get away from their real lives if things are too overwhelming. Um, and I wonder, I wonder why you think people feel this way. I think that that word sanctuary is a really meaningful word that you've used. I think that for some individuals, their own real life experiences might be so painful that the reality of their lives might be too painful to deal with. For example, um, I've had some individuals even submit stories to the Harry Potter therapy book where they write that they grew up in very abusive households where uh, either their biological or adoptive or foster parents, for example, might have been really abusive or might have uh, might have uh, abused another member of their family. And so facing that reality can be too excruciating to, to manage. Um, and this is where going to that sanctuary, in a way, going to our safe place, to our Harry Potter books, for example, can feel like not only as an escape, but also as a protection, as a safe space where we get to learn and relearn and re-experience love and connection and magic and safety and support. Um, and perhaps something that might even inspire us to take certain action in real life to protect ourselves. Um, I found that a lot of individuals who grew up in those atmospheres later joined Harry Potter fandoms, for example, or became Harry Potter fan fiction writers um, and found their own support groups in this way uh, in a community that was far more welcoming than the community they were initially surrounded with. I love you said it's like a it's like a chance to kind of relearn love and connecting with other people. I, I'd never thought about it that explicitly, but that's that's definitely what it feels like, I think. Because mm -hmm. in our own life, sometimes we might find ourselves going through periods where we don't feel loved, where we don't feel accepted, where we don't feel like we belong. And I think that that, that whole idea of somebody being magical, somebody being special, and being able to go to this place, to Hogwarts, where people like them, people who are special or maybe uh, sensitive, just like them, um, are not only accepted, but are welcomed and encouraged. And that was kind of what I wanted to create with Harry Potter therapy, this understanding that if you've ever been rejected for the way that you feel, this is a safe space. This is where you're not only invited, but you are wanted, you are loved, you're accepted, you're welcomed at any time. That's wonderful. That's uh, I feel like leads me to my next question. These um, these characters, you know, we 
feel safe and loved, um, even just by reading about, you know, Mrs. Weasley and the way she interacts with her children or um, stern but wonderful Professor McGonagall, um, you know, all of these people um, who, and, you know, that's not even getting into, you know, Harry, Ginny, Hermione, Luna, all of these people that we feel really deeply connected with, um, supported, feel understood. And this kind of gets into the idea of uh, parasocial relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us about what a parasocial relationship is and why they seem to be so common with the characters in the Harry Potter series? Sure. Uh, so parasocial relationships are essentially like the one-sided relationships that we form with fictional characters. One-sided because we might know and love the character and they might not necessarily know us. Um, and um, these are also sometimes referred to as social surrogates. Um, so essentially these characters might serve as a surrogate friend, a surrogate family member, uh, or another loved one. So, for example, for individuals who haven't had a supportive uh, parent, someone like Mrs. Weasley can become that surrogate mother. Uh, and for individuals that maybe haven't had a loyal friend, someone like Hermione might become their own version of a best friend uh, or maybe their own role model. And so uh, those kind of parasocial relationships can make us feel less alone. Uh, They can be really helpful at times when we're feeling rejected or isolated to reduce those painful feelings. And um, they've actually been shown through research to also reduce the feelings of depression, increase feelings of social connectedness, and actually um, also to be helpful in promoting uh, pro-social behaviors, so like altruistic and helping behaviors. Um, And similarly, um, these kind of relationships have been shown to make us more compassionate, more empathic toward other people, and have been even shown to reduce um, certain feelings of uh, depression and PTSD. Wow. Being able to see and measure the effects of these, um, you, you could almost call them invisible relationships, uh, that they are, these effects are so powerful. That's amazing. Absolutely. Because for a lot of individuals, the connection that they have with that fictional character might be stronger than any connection than they have with other people in real life. And that could be because they might feel safe enough to feel open to that, to that fictional character, to um, maybe almost to, to tell them what they're going through. Whereas in real life, a lot of times we're taught to suppress our painful experiences or to get over them, uh, which of course is, neither safe nor uh, nor possible. Uh, the best thing that we can do when we're going through something painful is to express it, to learn how to cope with it, to form meaningful connections so that we can process it. And for individuals who lack those kind of support systems in their own lives, these kind of parasocial experiences and connections can become that kind of a support system. That's amazing. And I, I'm curious, it seems like especially for people who are really introverted, the parasocial relationship, like you're saying, you know, you could be even more open and honest in a, uh, you know, when connecting with this fictional character than with other people 
in your life. Absolutely. Because I think it probably feels safer. Mm -hmm. It probably, um, uh, we might be more open to this kind of a parasocial relationship because we're less likely to get hurt in this way. That's a, that shows the power of something that, I guess it's something until I started really reading Harry Potter and getting into fandom I hadn't thought about, but um, what an amazing resource we have with the expansive list of fandoms we have available to us. It's like they're literally friends to be found anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm so glad to see that more and more fandoms are now focusing on characters that represent people's real life experiences, whether it's with uh, mental health issues or physical struggles or other experiences, you know, such as facing uh, racism or prejudice or discrimination, because when we see this reflected in the media, it makes it easier for us to make sense of what's going on. Absolutely. Recently, um, you have kind of went on, gone on a new Harry Potter journey um, with the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast, which when I saw that, I can't tell you how excited I was. Um, but can you tell us about that and what inspired you to go chapter by chapter? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, when my husband and I started the superhero therapy podcast, the first episode that we did was on Harry Potter. Uh, it's my favorite fandom. Um, and actually, when we were getting married, we had a Harry Potter Star Wars themed wedding. <gasps> we're both huge, huge Harry Potter fans. Um, and it's something that I, I've been wanting to go back to. So every few months, I'm like, we should do another Harry Potter episode. And, you know, and then we realized that because superhero therapy is meant to be eclectic and include all the different fandoms, we probably can't focus too much on just the one. Mm -hmm. So then about a month ago, I had this thought, hey, what if we had a separate podcast just for Harry Potter and we can dive deep and we can go chapter by chapter in these bite-sized episodes of about 15 to 20 minutes episodes talking about the psychology of each chapter and uh we both were really really excited about it so we're going to release episode two this week um and we've actually just recorded episode four so we're going to be releasing one episode per week chapter by chapter looking at the psychology and the psychological concepts presented in each chapter of the harry potter series That's amazing. And uh, I'll make sure to link it so everyone can find the podcast. I've listened to the first episode and absolutely loved it. So thank you so much. We're so excited. It just it it feels like something that we're just enjoying so much. It is it feels like we're just hanging out and spending time together and geeking out about our favorite fandom. Yes, there's nothing better. (laughs) Exactly. Um, are there any particular chapters or characters that you're looking forward to talking about? Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, honestly, all of them. Um, but I'm especially <laughs> excited when we get to uh, the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban because there's a lot of psychological concepts there that I'm looking forward to talking about in terms of the monsters such as Dementors and the Boggarts. Um, as well as uh, Professor Lupin and his experiences. Um, 
and uh, just kind of throughout the series talking about uh, characters that have been through certain traumatic experiences, whether it's Arthur Weasley, who, you know, of course, had been attacked by Nagini. And we don't see very much what happened to him in the books, but in the podcast, we're going to talk about what he might have gone through. Um, after being attacked like that in his workplace uh, and what some people might go through when they're assaulted in a place of work. And so like these things that we don't normally think about or don't always talk about when we, you know, just kind of read, you know, a, a couple of chapters or, or, or a couple of pages. Um, I'm looking forward to diving deeper into the analysis of what might have been going on for that particular character. And I cannot wait to hear the rest of it. Thank you. Thank you. We're both very, very excited about it. Um, so to kind of finish off, um, in 2018, um, you received the Eleanor Roosevelt Human Rights Award, which, first of all, congratulations. That's <laughs> Thank such you. an honor. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Um so I actually had uh, no idea when I found out it was a few months before I was awarded and I, I was just hysterical crying because I had, um, I, this wasn't even on my radar. I, I never imagined that I would be able to receive something like that. The Eleanor Roosevelt Award is awarded by the United Nations Association for significant contribution um, to um, to essentially a betterment of human rights. Um, and it is provided in different fields. And I, I could be wrong, but I believe I'm the first recipient to receive it in the mental health field. Um, and um, it was actually presented by Ford Roosevelt, so Eleanor Roosevelt's grandson. Oh, wow. Uh, who presented the award. Um, so it, it was extremely, extremely special. And um, so I received it for... Uh, for my uh, work in superhero therapy. So I was told that it was for uh, creating this unique approach to therapy. Well, very well deserved. Just, it's such a, I think this is really, really powerful. I know, you know, I've talked to people who get so much out of this without even a, a more professional context. And uh, it just, thank you so much for everything that you have contributed Uh Genuinely, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored, and that's very, very kind of you. Thank you. I'm honestly just in disbelief sometimes for how, um, how fortunate I am to be able to work with in just incredible people that I have in my life, and to be able to focus on what I love the most, and to be able to process, you know, my favorite fandom, and to talk about psychology, and to. Uh, to help people in their most difficult moments by connecting at our core with our favorite fandoms that allow us to talk about the, the foundation of what it's all about. Absolutely. It's truly wonderful. Um, so we're coming close to the end of our time. So I just want to know if you have any final words about Harry Potter and mental health or psychology, anything you'd like to leave us with? Yes. Um, I wanted to say that no matter what you're going through, this is for everyone who's listening, no matter what you're going through, please remember that you are magical. The very things that you're going through make you special. The, the very emotional experiences that you might have gone through already make you the chosen one. 
and you are already magical enough to be here. So thank you for being wonderful. That's amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you again for being on the podcast with me. It was so wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. That was my conversation with Dr. Scarlett. Dr. Scarlett, thank you again for joining me. If you guys enjoy listening to Beyond the Veil, I think that you will love Harry Potter therapy, so please check it out. We'll have links to the show so you can find it. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to be on the show as a guest, please visit our website and fill out our submission form. We would love to have you on the show. Please send us your stories. You can also submit your story anonymously. If you're enjoying the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. This helps other people discover us. Join me next week for another conversation in the headmaster's office. This has been Madison. Thanks for listening. 